0: This is John from the FreeGiftFromGod.com podcast. Today I'm continuing with these words of Jesus and I'm in John chapter 3. I'm going to continue where I left off from last week. Now what's interesting is that there is a teaching here that is going to upset a lot of Christians. A lot of you hearing this today, listening to this today, will be upset by what I'm about to say. And uh, I make no apology for that because this is what the scripture says. I've said a number of times that uh, we need to follow Jesus according to his path, not according to a path that we have set, not according to a path that some religious leader at some point in the past has set. We have to follow according to the path that Jesus sets. And that makes it hard when we come up against false doctrine that has been accepted as truth for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, because it's so deeply ingrained into the thoughts of uh, Christians that they think that uh, to say the opposite is heresy. And I'm pretty sure that some of you will not accept what I have to say, and you will think I'm a heretic. I'm not. I am just speaking what the scripture says. Now, here is an interesting uh, situation. In John chapter 3, uh, I read last time about uh, being born again of water and the Spirit, and it went on from verse 9, and Nicodemus spoke to Jesus says, how can this be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand this? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Now, it's the same today. We can speak about what we know. All this stuff that I speak about, I, I speak about this because I know this stuff, because I've learned this stuff. I understand it. The Lord has opened it up to me so that I can know and understand what he had to say and what these things mean. I mean, you can speak about things in your workplace when you go to work. You know what you are doing. And so you can speak about it with confidence. You have faith in what you are doing and that's the same as what this is we know and we bear witness to the things that we know and what we've seen because we've seen it with our own eyes or we know it with our own understanding in verse 12 it goes on says if i have told you earthly things and you do not believe how can you believe if i tell you heavenly things so jesus is saying well if i tell you the things of the earth and you still don't get it how will you understand what's spiritual How will you understand the spiritual things that he has to say, had yet to say? No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, talking about himself. He is the only one that has been and seen the Father, has sat at the right hand of God, and seen and understood all the things that God is doing. And he's saying that no one has ascended into heaven. Except for him, because he came from heaven. And now he's going to talk about how he went back to heaven. Verse 14 said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now you may not be familiar with the situation, I'm going to read it in a moment, about when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So let's go over into that. It's in. uh, Numbers chapter 21, and I'm going to read from verse 4 of Numbers chapter 21. It says, from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food now they're talking about the manna that came from heaven that's what they're saying oh we loathe this stuff it's horrible you know it's the same thing day in day out and they were grumbling and complaining against the lord and against moses and yet i'm certain that this manna that came from god it it sustained them for 40 years it was probably the best food that was ever uh, ever eaten on the earth Anyway, we shall continue on. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So they realized their mistake and they repented. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if the serpent bit any man, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Right, so this is what happened with this situation. These fiery serpents got no idea what they were, but whatever they were, when they bit, they were deadly, poisonous, and people died. But what God said, and this is a precursor to Jesus, what God said and what he did, he told Moses, make up an effigy of one of these fiery serpents. You know, Create a fiery serpent out of bronze. And so Moses created this bronze serpent. He said, stick it up on a pole in the middle of the camp where everyone can see it. So he stuck it up on a pole. And what he said, and this is where faith comes in, Anyone who got bitten and looked at that serpent on the pole in the middle of the camp did not die. But anyone who lacked the faith to look at that serpent on the pole died if they got bitten. And it was all about faith. I mean, let's face it, a bronze serpent, I could go and make a bronze serpent, you know, an effigy of a bronze serpent, stick it on a pole, but would it make any difference? No, of course not but this was one that was made according to the commandment of God by Moses to be able to overcome the poison and the deaths that were being uh, incurred by these serpents biting the people. So when they got bitten, they turned and looked to Jesus, uh, sorry, and looked to the serpent, looked up at the serpent, they lived. And it's the same today. When we are let's say, bitten by evil, when we do the wrong thing, if we turn and look to Jesus, we are saved. It's the same thing. They were saved when they got bitten. They were saved from death, uh, from the uh, poison of these serpents, uh, when they looked at the serpent, according to the word of God, and in the same way, according to the word of God, when we look to Jesus, we too are saved. So it's a great teaching. Now, in case you're wondering, well, whatever happened to that bronze serpent? Well, we see over in um, 2 Kings, uh, chapter 18, I'm going to read from verse 1, it says, In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, um, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Uh, His mother's name was Abai daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. Now, these are all of the places of worship of idols, all the idolatrous worship places, all of the places of worship for the false gods. But it goes on and says, in verse 4, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had burned incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Now, this is interesting because what Hezekiah did was he smashed this serpent because the people had turned it into an idol. You know, they saw and they read about and they understood the the amazing power of faith when people turned and looked at this serpent in the days of Moses when the fiery serpents were in the camp and how people just had to look at it and they were saved, but they thought it was a God and they offered incense to it and they gave it a name. They didn't recognize the true God, who was saving them when people had faith to look to it. And this was a forerunner of Christ. They looked to, um, they looked to this serpent uh, in the camp and they were saved. But later on, the people took that serpent and turned it into an idol and made an idol. And so Hezekiah, he said, right, I'm going to sort this out. And he smashed it, destroyed it. Didn't come to any harm. Obviously, the idol had no strength or power over him. And so he did what was right in the sight of God. Now, we flip forward back into John chapter 3. And we see here in verse 14, it said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, what's interesting here is he said back in Numbers 21, that he lifted the serpent up on a pole, a pole. The word that we use today is cross. The cross actually came from the word Tor, which was one of the letters of the alphabet, or the, uh, the Greek letters. And the actual cross predates Christianity by hundreds or thousands of years. It was actually a sign of... Um, one of the pagan deities, um, it was actually on the the crown of uh, Bacchus, um, who was one of the pagan gods. So the cross was around a long time before Jesus ever came about. The interesting thing, though, is in Greek, the word that is translated as cross is storon or storos. Now, a storos is not a cross. A storos is a stick or a pole. And there's no evidence in the Bible to say that it had a cross piece, to turn it from a stick into a cross. So the first thing we understand from that, the actual word does not suggest it was a cross that he died on. The word itself doesn't suggest it was a cross. So how do we get the cross out of store on? the Greek was translated into Latin. In Latin, they used the word crux, and crux was a cross. And when it was translated back into other languages and English and whatever, they brought that crux, the idea of the cross, back with it, and that was hundreds of years later. Um, now, if Jesus didn't die on a cross, then what did he die on? Well, the store on was a stake or a stick. So if he didn't die on a cross, then what is the purpose of the cross in Christianity? If there was no cross, why do people insist on using the cross as a symbol of Christianity? Now stop and think about that for a minute. Why is that a symbol of Christianity when we know that the actual cross was used as a pagan symbol back in the days of Bacchus and it goes all the way back to Babylon? So we have this have this issue about should the cross be a symbol of Christianity? And I've actually written an article about this on my website. Should the cross be the symbol for Christianity? Because it appears here Jesus was saying in verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent on a pole, Jesus too. Was going to be lifted up on a stick or a stake a store on which is what the greek word is so the cross the whole question about whether a cross should be there or not is questionable let's just say it's questionable that's the first thing The second thing is, in the book of Kings, we saw that Hezekiah smashed the serpent because the people had turned the serpent from uh, the thing that was originally intended to be into an idol where they offered incense to it. Now, people in in many parts of the church have turned the cross into an idol also where they worship the cross. They have crosses on their churches. They have crosses around their necks. They have crosses in all kinds of places. They use the cross as an idol. I mean, why do you need a symbol for the church? Why do you need one? Jesus is the symbol. Jesus is the focus of our worship. We don't need a cross. You don't need it at all. It's not necessary. You need what it represents. And what it represents was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what you need. But you don't need the cross itself. It's not critical to have it there. It had to be done a certain way. And there are scriptures that say he had to die in that way. But it doesn't necessarily say that it had to be on a cross. He had to die on a wooden um, stake of some kind. Uh, because he needed to take the curse of the law from us, which uh, is written in the law. It says anyone who dies upon a tree, anyone who's hung upon a tree uh, is cursed. And he became that curse to take away the curse of the law for us. But that's another subject. So the cross now, like the serpent back in the time of Hezekiah, the cross has been made into an idol. God hates idolatry hate it with a passion. The second commandment, the first commandment was the commandment to love God in the Ten Commandments. The second one was to have no idols. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a graven image or bear down to it. That was the second commandment. You know, I mean, there were 650-odd commandments, more than 650 commandments. But the second one, after the one that says you've got to love God, was don't have any others and don't make graven images. And yet the cross has now become a graven image. So what did you do? Well, reject it. That's what you should do. And you may think that I'm talking heresy, but the cross didn't exist in the church until the time of Constantine. It was not brought into the church until about 350-odd years in the – Uh, in the meetings that uh, Constantine had, uh, the, uh, um, the meetings at Nicaea and the meetings at Constantinople. Prior to that, the cross didn't exist as part of the church. It was never part of the early church. You know, we don't need these symbols. The covenant, the new covenant and the gospel are about the spirit. They're not about the flesh. You don't need physical representations of these things. What you need is faith, and faith is not something you can see. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe in what God achieved through Jesus Christ, through his death, how he became the sacrifice for our sins, how he became the one who took away the law so that we could do away with sin, do away with condemnation, do away with guilt. These are the things that we need to remember. These are the reasons why we worship, not because of a cross. The cross is not important in Christianity the actual physical cross, and it should not be part of the Christian worship. So um, I'm going to end that there. Um, And basically what we need to do as far as the cross is concerned, a bit like Hezekiah did, is smash them. You know you, the cross is not part of our worship. There are some churches who don't believe in crosses um I know that Jehovah's witnesses are one. they don't believe in the in the cross uh, there are others and of course, a lot of people believe that the jehovah's witnesses are a cult. I don't believe that they are another form of Christianity. they have a set of beliefs. I'm not a jehovah's witness um, and there are but i I speak to them I speak to people all over the place. I speak to all manner of people you know catholics um protestants you know if uh, the evangelicals uh, pentecostals methodists church of england anglicans um, you know i am not part of any specific denomination i am a christian that is what i believe and being a christian i want to do learn and understand and follow what jesus said And he didn't say to worship a cross because a cross is idolatry and God hates idolatry. He hated it back then. He wrote the second commandment about it. And even now that we've been set free from the law, doesn't mean that we can go off and oppose what the law says. doesn't mean that, well, now you're set free from the law, you can do idolatry. No, you can't. We need to take the same path that Hezekiah did and just smash the things up and put them away from us. So as I said, this talk today i believe will upset a lot of people and um and whilst i uh, i won't draw back from that uh, i know it will upset a lot of people and a lot of people will not be able to accept that, and that's okay that's okay if you can't accept it that's fine if you want to know more send me an email it's on my website free from god.com or you can send it to john at free gift and i'll happily answer your emails and I'll go into more detail if you would like Anyway, this is John from the FreegiftFromGod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed weekend. And I hope, even in spite of what you may have heard today, that you will join me again next week as we talk more about what Jesus had to say rather than what is necessarily taught in the churches. I mean, don't get me wrong, many of the churches say things that are right, but there's a lot of things that are wrong in the church, and we need to weed those out so that we can follow Christ according to his word and his will and not the will of man. So as I said, John from freegiftfromgod.com signing off, wishing you a blessed week ahead.